said, give me a hell yeah. I said, give me a hell yeah. What up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast, our weekly edition. Uh, obviously, as has been the case for the past, gosh, it's been like two months now, John LaRocca is with me, and we are going to get to um, a pretty interesting topic that uh, the internet has been ablaze for, which is this issue with Brie Bella and Liv Morgan. Um, I want John's take specifically because, you know, he he has... Uh, he he not not that John was necessarily um you know a, a full-time wrestler or anything but he has training John did you did you ever referee before uh no 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 referee but oh, but my best friend is a referee so. but your best friend is a referee um so that is what they call uh in the business a tease so we're going to get to that uh in a little bit obviously we're going to cover the May Young Classic as we have been this is week 4 but I wanted to open um, the show by talking about uh, mo- well, one, one of us an MMA story and the other one's a boxing story. But um, HBO Boxing is calling it quits after 45 years. Now, I can go back to like 84, 85, I think, as far as matches that I remember on HBO with uh, Larry Holmes, who, who was the champion back then. Uh, maybe even a year earlier, but um, this is like a big deal. Now, I was hearing stuff about this uh, after the Canelo-Golovkin fight. People were saying that, oh, you know, HBO may get out of the game. And, you know, people may wonder, like, because HBO boxing is pretty synonymous with the sport. And, um, you know, we've talked about the boxing landscape on this show before, not necessarily with John, but when I talked to to Dewan, um, and uh, and Robert, we talked about sort of the ever-changing landscape of TV for boxing. Uh, Fox and Showtime are with the Al Heyman Group, Premier Championship Boxing. Uh, Eddie Hearn and Matchroom are on the new streaming service, DAZN. And Top Rank is with ESPN. So that kind of leaves <laughs> HBO with not really a lot. And I imagine that just the cost of of keeping these these uh, you know just putting fights on television and not maybe necessarily having the pick of the litter when it comes to roster you know they 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 lost Top Rank um, and Bob Arum's business mostly because they they got closer to Al Heyman and so Bob Arum was just like okay I'm going to take my my business elsewhere um, but you know that leaves a big gap. Uh, in 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 the the sport, just from a from a name basis, HBO, um, and it also leaves Canelo Alvarez, Gennady Golovkin, and guys like that who, you know, are are like two of the biggest deals in the sport today. Uh, they will be without a network, and and I imagine for Oscar De La Hoya, you know, get getting you know who who who, how is he going to get you know uh, Canelo's fights on TV? Where is he going to go? Where's the money going to you know who's going to pay? Oscar for Canelo plus the rest of the Golden Boy roster. So 
I just wanted to mention that at the top, not that there's really anything that um, we can, you know, not, not, not much to discuss because it's just the news story just came out today as far as what happened. And um, my first, my other thought was, well, where does Jim Lampley and Roy Jones and Max Kellerman and all these guys go? And um, Lampley supposedly is staying with HBO and just not going to do boxing anymore. So that was pretty interesting. But, um, you know, John, you know, you you've seen your fair share of uh, of big fights over the years. Uh, was this shocking to you that that they are now out of the boxing business? Um, yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing about this, honestly. I haven't really been on Twitter or anything, so I didn't see this news till until you told me right now. I'm just thinking, like, boxing without HBO without boxing just seems so weird to me. It's very strange. Like, oh, you know, it's always boxing on HBO, boxing on Showtime. Like, I just thought that would never end, you know? So I'm kind of, I'm kind of bummed. I mean, I don't remember certain specific fights that, on the HBO that I watched, but I remember just, I usually would just turn in. I, I could just kind of just catch a fight, you know, and then, and some were really entertaining, some were not. Um, it's kind of, it, it's kind of sad, you know. I wish, uh, I wish, I wish they weren't getting out of the game because it just, uh, you know, I kind of hate breaking tradition a little bit, especially at one that's over forty years. Yeah, forty-five years, over eleven hundred fights. Uh, boxers. This is from uh, Dan Raphael's story from today. Boxers with the most appearances on HBO, and and this is including uh, HBO and HBO pay per view, I think. But Roy Jones Jr. thirty two f- appearances, Oscar thirty two, Shane Mosley twenty seven, Floyd twenty seven, Manny Pacquiao twenty four. So you know these are this is the who's who uh, in the last you know twenty years of the sport. Lennox Lewis, Bernard Hopkins. Uh, Mike Tyson 17 times Uh, and yeah you know it it is it is surprising um, only because you think of the prestige and I think that's what HBO saw themselves as too it's like well you know we'll always have more subscribers than Showtime and thus you know our HBO boxing will will be the better products we'll have more eyeballs we have the history Um, and the I, I guess it it shows that they're just doubling down on their episodic TV, and that's kind of the bread and butter. You know, you have Game of Thrones, um, and and those those shows that that do really well for them. And you know, maybe boxing just wasn't for the for the dollar getting the value with the users. So, um, so I mean, some of it is self inflicted. Obviously, they made some interesting choices with who they were partnering with for fights. There, there was opportunities to pay for fights that people were interested in, like uh, Anthony Joshua fights and and stuff like that. That you know they they just decided wasn't really of value for them. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a pretty big deal. And I think um, I think what it shows is that you know the content, uh, how it's being provided, and and the content providers, they're just chasing dollars right now, right? Like there's so much money. And if you, someone like DAZN or ESPN Plus, if you have, if you are trying to get something going and you have a lot of money, boxing is just like, hey, I, I'm going to the highest bidder, you know. And so that leaves HBO, who is is not necessarily going to be the highest bidder on some of this stuff, uh, out out of the out of the loop. Um, so that kind of dovetails into a different conversation, which is uh, I was at the Bellator Media Day uh, stuff in San Jose. And um, 
you know, Scott Coker, who is who also has a deal with DAZN, was talking about uh, some of that stuff as far as the TV and 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 the streaming and you know every you know the 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 line there. Obviously, they're working with DAZN and and Bellator is going to be on DAZN. Uh, their first show, uh, their first big show is this Saturday, only on the zone. You can't even watch it on uh, on Paramount Network. Um, the the whole like the line of, of everyone was streaming is a future, streaming is a future, streaming is a future, and it's like yeah, you know, I mean, I, I get it, I get you know, let let let's make sure some of these streaming networks uh, actually work for you know first before before we qualify that, but. You know, Coker was talking about a lot of the a lot of the TV landscape and 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 mixed martial arts and boxing and just everything changing, and it and it just seemed like it happened so fast. Like, you know, I, I and maybe this is just because you know we follow wrestling and, and so you're watching. You know, what is WWE doing here? Every time their TV deal is up, it's like, oh, they're going to be on. You know, they're going to be on USA, and then now they have a deal with with uh, Fox, the Fox Network. But they still were kind of like the first ones to go to the streaming with their WWE network. And uh, it just everything it seems to be changing really, really fast. And like, I mean, the thing that I have uh, a question about is so you and I come, you know, you and I are a little bit older from the point of where, you know, we were watching TV and we knew that at eight o'clock on Thursday, it was going to be Cosby show followed by family ties, followed by cheers, followed by night court. Like that was just like, you didn't have to set an alarm on a phone to remind yourself that, Oh, I got to pop on ESPN plus to watch this live show or else I'm going to forget. And so that, that's the question to me is how does someone like DAZN or how does someone like ESPN plus these streaming networks, how do they remind people that, you know, this show is on and you should watch it because the you know the push aspect of the notifications, uh, I, I think that that there's still a lot of stuff to be worked out there. Because you know when we were when we were younger, it was all about uh, you know event watching, and we knew when everything was on. You didn't have to remind us; it was just in debt, you know embedded in our brains. Yeah, they're just gonna have to rely on those push notifications. Uh, but I think if you're like, for example, like the fight that was on this past week in the boxing fight, like. If you're getting the zone to get that fight, like you know the time of that fight, you're not going to miss it, right? So, I think that shouldn't really be a problem. But today, this day and age, though, like I don't remember a lot of the time like UFC show starts at the time. You know, like I didn't realize there's a UFC show this past weekend until I started looking at the results. And these, I like, just, you know, I would probably tape it and watch some of it. But now I just kind of even forget to set my DVR at the time. <laughs> so. But things are changing. I mean, like, just like for me, for you know, now for sure, now that I have two little ones, like watching anything live is is few and far between. We have to wait for the kids to go to sleep, then we go to their DVR, and and people now are just busier. People are working longer hours. They're working multiple jobs, or just their life is busier. So, so they just have to watch it you know, via streaming or via DVR. And I think streaming eventually is the going, it's going to be what we all do now. It's going to be just what we all, how we watch TV. Um, I don't think cables are going away completely or anything like that, but I think more and more people are getting frustrated with the cable companies and, and um, frustrated with their, 
these fees that just kind of pop up all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, I, like I've, I've been to, I, you know me, I talk about a lot about cord cutting cable. And it's like, I just kind of, kind of go back and forth and, you know, I'm starting to get my wife on board. So I mean, maybe another year we'll see how this goes. And I might just go finally just go all the way and cut the cord and, and try that out for a while. So, you know, you, you mentioned the, the Joshua fight, I don't think everyone knew what time that fight was on because it was in 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 the UK. It was in the evening, and so thus in the US, it was like uh, I think it was at I think they they went into the ring right before two o'clock p.m. And you know when 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 some of the product is international, like I had to look up like what time does this thing start? It's not like it's not like DAZN sent me. A push notification to my phone that said, "Don't forget, Anthony Joshua fights, and it's going to be around two o'clock. So make sure you're there live." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I think that's one of the things that they're going to have to get so much better at is just really pushing this stuff to your phone, um, buying ads on Twitter, where you know you're you're scrolling through your timeline and it's like to zone. Yeah, I think that's what I, actually what they did pretty well is is they had the Twitter ads in there saying you know. Don't don't miss Joshua's fight. You know it. It'll get into the ring at you know whatever time. But uh, you know, like I said, you know when we grew up, it was all appointment watching television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even yeah. you know, and and even um, you know even football. Sometimes you know we we, we knew football was on at ten a.m. and one a.m. and Monday night football, and that was it. And a lot of times I forget. Like I was at the gym today. And I was like, uh, oh, yeah, the Rams and the Vikings are playing. Like, I just totally forgot that that game was happening because I'm still not used to Thursday night football. Uh, but, but yeah, like, so, you know, as they do these streaming things, um, you know, they're going to have to do a lot better with the communication because I, you know, I have, I've had ESPN Plus now since the beginning. I think I've only watched two things on it. I get an email every uh, uh it seems to be about every week at least that says here's what's on this weekend but this like they should know that i'm really only on espn plus for the boxing and then obviously for the ufc next year and thus they should really start hammering me with stuff going like oh there's a fight on saturday night there's a ufc show on you know saturday night like that they're gonna have to get better at that for people to remember to go uh, you know, obviously the hardcores will be there, but just on a rant, like imagine a random fight night on ESPN plus, uh, you know, that, that features a match that you don't really care about. Like maybe if I remember, I'll, I'll check it out. But if I don't remember, like it's of no, it's of no real importance. And once they, once you start doing that, I think, I think there's some, there's going to be some trouble, some possible trouble. So I think the communication piece needs to work out a little bit better. But uh, but yeah, so you know, pretty interesting thing to think about uh, as we as as the the way that we absorb content and media uh, on our iPads and on our Apple TVs and on our Amazon Fire Sticks and I guess Roku boxes are still a still a thing out there. But yeah, cha- changing times and you got to kind of you almost have to be like a step ahead of everything just to even know what's going on because it's kind of confusing. Yeah. You know, it's funny, you were just talking about appointment TV, like when we were kids and stuff, like we knew exactly what, when things were on and we were make sure we were there to watch it. Like, like just family gathering to watch their favorite shows is probably very rare these days, you know? Like you, you know, now you got, you know, 
DVR, you're watching, everyone's watching the leisure. Your your kids probably watching on their phone in the bedroom or, 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 you know, on the lunch break or something. And, and it's kind of, it's kind of sad that, that, that's gone away. Um, I, you know, Katrina and I, my wife, um, uh, we, we watch our shows together still, but you know, of course it's via DVR after the babies go to sleep, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, so we try to do that and unless I fall asleep, cause I'm tired or something, but, and, uh, you know, I just kind of, I just, uh, you know, feeling the, feel nostalgia about that appointment TV, just thinking about the times where it's like, all right, cheers is on, you know, cause I remember you saw like the watch cheers and, and one of my earliest memories as a kid is like just my parents in the fan room watching like Laverne and Shirley and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's kind of sad. Well, I mean, know? I mean, let's, let's, let's look at, let's look at wrestling, right? Like, uh, at least in the Bay Area, Saturday morning, 10 a.m., superstars are wrestling. Yeah, um, yep. You know, they're, they're, the, 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 uh, you know, the World Championship Wrestling at 3.05, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the Bay Area. Even, you know... 3.05 Sunday for the main event. I think it's 11 o'clock for Wrestling Challenge on USA. was so Sunday on USA and... Yeah, that's crazy. I felt, and I used to watch all of them, of course, as you probably know. So. Yeah, and, and how many people are watching WWE superstars on the network? Probably not that many, no. right? It's never in the top twenty, I don't think, I, right? I mean, I, I imagine. I imagine that the only reason they still do that show is because they have international um, deals yeah. that they that they fulfill. Yeah, exactly. That's the only. That's the only reason they're doing it. Yeah, and this is crazy because Superstars was like, I remember I had Saturday morning chores and like I had to deal with my mom. It was like a stickler for chores, right? Like you had to do them. Can't start your day without getting it done. But I was such a good kid. (laughs) (laughs) My mom, my mom would allow allow me to start my chores or take a break during uh, WWF Superstars. I remember like, I need to watch the first week. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then she would just let me get my break and I would just uh, watch it. And I, and I, but, you know, sure enough, I didn't over get back to work. Cause that's how we, that's how it was ran in our house here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I remember that. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, you know, that's just something that we'll sort of keep track of, uh, cause it's just, it's just interesting and it's changing a lot. And, you know, the way that we watch stuff, like I, I imagine, you know, for your daughter, who is of the age where, you know, something's going to catch her eye and she'll actually stick with it for a little bit. She's probably on the iPad, right? Like, that's how she watches stuff? Yeah, she's a big YouTube kids thing on the, she kind of, she, you can tell her attention spans, like, <laughs> it's like, watch a few minutes, next thing, watch a few minutes, mm-hmm, next thing. Mm-hmm. Kinda. But then she'll get, like, stuff, she want to watch a cartoon on TV and we'll usually tape it or yeah. DVR it and she, like, of course... You know, her age, like, you don't just watch it once. You got to watch it two or three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, we'll move on. But I just thought it was an interesting conversation. And that the interview in which I I heard Scott talk about this should be up on on F4W Online uh, by the time people listen to this because – uh, I, I helped uh, produce it. It was uh, Big Dave and, and sat down with Scott Cooker. He also sat down with Aaron Pico for about ten minutes, but we got cut off because they were they were doing they were like trying to do the face off, and they were like, "Hey, we need you for the face off." And you know, Dave's getting his last question, and um, 
but but yeah, so the the Bellator stuff was pretty fun. You know, the before we move on, because I do want to talk about some wrestling stuff. Did you know that Rampage and Vanderlei are fighting at heavyweight? Um, yes, I did know that. I did know that. Yeah. So Rampage look, I I I don't know. I I mean, he was there. I don't know. He probably looked like, if I'm gonna guess, like two twenty five, two thirty. Um, so he didn't look like as gigantic as we've seen him in the past, like when he gets really big. But Vanderlei can't be more than like two ten, something like that. Like, and he, he even looks really puffy at that weight. So I, I, it, I mean, these guys are obviously well past their prime. But I just thought it was fairly interesting that you know you have like uh, you know two of the baddest light heavyweights of, of all time, you know, in the history of the sport, and now they're you know. I just f- hope we don't. I just hope we don't get some sad display, you know, like just Ken Shamrock, Royce Gracie. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I just, just hope it doesn't happen. I mean, I don't understand why Bellator is doing it, but it's just, uh, so it's, I don't know. That, 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 that one Bellator show really, really put a bad taste in my mouth. That whole Kimbo Slice, Donna yeah. 5000. Oh, that was that. Slice. If, if, if the Observer Awards, uh, uh, I I don't remember what the what happened in the Observe Awards that year, but that was like the worst promotional thing of the year. Like that was so <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but uh, so the other thing I want, if you, I mean, you probably know most of the guys on the main card for Bellator 206. But tell me if there was one guy out of all the guys who dressed up, you know, sort of looked like a star, wore a suit on that main card. Who do you think that would have been? Shoot, what's the card? <laughs> I know, I know. I'm trying to think. Like I know Diego Lima's fighting. Um, God, who so was the, that? The Aaron main, Pico, I'm gonna say. Yeah, it, it was Pico. He he was like in a in a, yeah. in a blue suit with some really nice brown shoes. Uh, Good. You know, look, looked Good. great. R- Rory was in uh, khaki shorts and a polo. Um, Which is shocking, kind of. Yeah, because like, working I, out. Yeah, I mean, may, may, maybe maybe tomorrow for, uh, or maybe other press stuff. He's actually he's actually been in in, in dressed up. I I don't know because that was, that was the only time I saw him. But yeah, and then you know, Masashi was in jeans. I think uh, Rampage was in jeans. Vanderlei was you know Vanderlei was actually working out with the forty nine. Not working out, but he was at Forty ers practice facility today. But yeah, hmm. P- Pico Pico looked the part. Uh, he was you know he he. He's a very confident guy. Let's just let's just say that. Like he really, really believes in himself, and and he, you know he should. He's a great athlete, great great talent. But uh, he he'll have his biggest test uh, of his young career uh, this Saturday. So that'll be pretty interesting. For yeah, me. like the guy he's fighting is like what, like eighteen and four, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, but yeah, so you can go to uh, f4wonline.com and listen to those interviews that Dave did and that I helped record uh, if you have a subscription. Uh, okay, so let's move on and let's talk about some wrestling. Um, so we had Jeff Cobb on the show last week, and he talked about his Bola win and also you know what, what he was going to be doing. Uh, we saw him at APW. He was in the main event with J.R. Kratos against uh, Will Hobbs and, and, uh, and Fatu. Um, and uh, when we asked him, you know, are you going to be on the ROH show? You know, he kind of smiled and said, said, yeah. I mean, 
you know, doesn't look like he's got a match, so maybe he does have have a run in. But you know, if you're a Jeff Cobb fan, uh, you should probably watch that ROH show. Um, but uh, but yeah, like I, you know, I think it's 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 really cool because you know he'll be on the ROH show, and then uh, two days later he'll be at the Long Beach show. Uh, he's in a I forget the match that he's in in on the Long Beach card, but um, yeah, but he's in a six man tag. But but yeah, you know it's 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 cool that you know because we talked about this last week, you know how close you guys are, and uh, to get to see him in you know on uh, two uh, two pretty big shows uh, over the weekend, uh, you know televised. Now you know it's not we're not talking about you know uh, huge pay per view numbers for this R eight show or anything, but you know it is it is one of their five or six pay per views of the year. And for for New Japan, you know, this is a show that's going to be streaming live on New Japan World, and then will be on Access the following week. So, you know, pretty pretty good uh, exposure for Jeff upcoming. Yeah, no, good opportunity for him. Uh, you know, R H V of course, and then you know Long Beach, and then he wants to continue to do what he wants to do, and you know, work for R O H, and then uh, work for New Japan, and. And I see he's in the batch with uh it took a T Best Friends and God I forget their partner, but I know Jeff's teaming up with Chris Saban and someone else. And I think you know, it it looks like uh, a good feature for Jeff, like going in there, especially the six man tag. He'll go in there, do his power moves and uh, yeah, those guys will you know, they'll fly around for him. So he should uh, get over. Plus, you know the, the Southern California crowd already knows him and loves him, so he should get definitely get a big reaction. It's a fl- uh, flip is on Jeff's team, and Goto is on the best friend's team. Oh yeah, yeah. So it should good. I'm Sam. I'm guessing Goto pin on Saban. <laughs> That's my guess. <laughs> so that's all that match. Um, so we we were both at the APW show. Uh, you got to go uh, book a couple things on the fly, uh, but what what did you think of uh, of the overall sort of um, the vibe of, of the show? You know, we, you and Marcus uh, Mac got to book some pretty big shows last year from an indie perspective. Where you know, obviously the Cow Palace, the first Cow Palace was was pretty big deal, but even it felt like. You know, most of the shows in um, 2017 just, you know, some of it was probably or actually definitely Cody Rhodes. But it just felt, you know, that that was like, wow, like, you know, the, the, it's really coming alive in this area. Um, and then when we the, the show that we saw, it, it, it wasn't dead. It didn't feel dead at all. But it definitely felt a little bit down from, you know, from from last year. Uh, what did you think of just the vibe and the crowd and the feeling and then also compared to last year and how that was? Um, I think it was an okay show. It wasn't uh, it was a, like a knock them dead kind of show that, you know, AEW usually puts on. Um, it's at the Boys and Girls Club. It was a different crowd that normally comes to the shows, it felt like. Uh, very into WWE stuff where fans of the past that in recent AEW shows have been into, like, you know, the high work rate matches and the you know, big moves and whatnot. This crowd, like, really didn't react too much to the big moves and stuff. And I didn't really, 
they didn't really connect too much with a lot of the matches. Like we had Joey Ryan on the show and Joey Ryan stick, you know, just didn't work with this crowd at all. Like he did the dick flip. A few people reacted, but it wasn't like these huge pots he would get on that. Um, MVP, um, didn't really get much reaction coming out. Even tried to do the thing where you go back in, out, go back <laughs> in, and come out again and get a bigger pop. It went from it went from mild to semi mild <laughs> reaction when he came out. But he really worked hard, and we worked Papo Esco, and they had a really good brawl, really good match. That was probably the best match on the show, show overall. When it comes to like like just. Had a good back and forth. I really liked it. I really like. I think Papa really did well and looked really good in it. Wasn't much excited about the ending where like Papa basically bounces back up after being pinned and gets in MVP's face. I think that should have been a little more selling, but I think MVP probably wanted Papa to be strong still coming out of it and stuff and all that stuff. But uh, um, three way with uh, Sam Adonis and Jake Atlas. And Puma King, I thought was was really really good. Um, I mean, it exactly did what three ways should do, right? They should be action packed. They should be fast moving, no slow points, and those guys were really good in that match. And Jake Atlas, it's just going to be a star. He's, he's so so fun to watch, and I just I just enjoy that kid a lot, and um, so I expect big things out of him, and you know, I expect his uh, name to keep growing. And Sam Adonis from, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people know him as, you know, doing the Trump gimmick, Donald, pro Donald Trump gimmick at CMLL. And, you know, he just looks like a star. Comes out, you know, professional all the way, um, stands out. And Puma King, as I've seen from CMLL, from the CMLL, I've watched of him. Just, just technically sound, very good, uh, good very fleet work, footwork out there. He's in position for everything. He's a solid. I, I, he's one of, like, the favorites I used to watch I'll see him well. So glad that he's in Southern California now and uh, to hopefully have him more on the APW shows in the future. Same as Sam Adonis. And uh, the main event I thought was good. The tag match was really, really good with Jeff Cobb, Jared Kratos, um, Will Hobbs, and Jacob Fatu. Um, the closing angle took a little long. It should have been quicker, but, you know, it's all a learning experience. And, you know, next time it's definitely keep that in mind and, and, um, yeah, I mean, I just honestly came this time just kind of just to go to the show, check it out, kind of, because, you know, I was, you know, took a lot of time off at the flooding of our condo and just all baby and born. And it just was kind of overwhelming. It's like deal with all that kind of stuff and also think about booking wrestling and dealing with wrestlers sometimes can be kind of exhausting. So I just needed to take a break, and I was kind of looking hoping just to come and kind of go back, watch a show, spend time with Dave Dutra. It's his birthday, just put the night King when I was in the back to say hi and say hey everyone, I got pulled to the main event. Like they kind of need help with the finish, so kind of worked it all out. And um, you know, eh, it was it was all right. I thought some stuff didn't work. The lumberjack match was not that good. I mean, they did a lot of cool moves and stuff, but the crowd wasn't really reacting too much about it. The lumberjacks didn't know what the hell to do. <laughs> it's like no one like it was. All, it was like almost like no one's ever seen a lumberjack match in their life. It just like I just kind of made fun of Dave Dutra, you know. He's a you know, a really good friend, so I was kind of making fun of him all night, calling him one of the worst lumberjacks I've ever seen. <laughs> and just, we all had a good chuckle all that. And um, there's a big heel turn on Rio Scum, the big fireball on one of the twins, the Stoner Brothers. 
And, like, into my shock and amazement, like, he sold the fireball, but then threw the rag away. <laughs> like, just hold, like, like, it wasn't like, you got to really sell that fireball. You got to kick and scream, and then people got to dive on you and cover you and put the cloth over your face with the water, and you have to hold that cloth to your face. And when you go to the back, people got to wonder, like, what the hell, they really burn them, not just throw it in a ring. It was like, it was like, I was like in shock. I was like, why would you do that? It's just, you know, I think a lot of problems, like these wrestlers these days don't really understand how to work a stipulation match. You know, they still want to do their kind of match and it's just this way it is, you know, and like, you know, it's hard to do these stipulation matches because half these guys never really watch wrestling with these stipulations matches or don't want to work these stipulation matches. It was the wrong stipulation anyway. It probably should just been a regular match, but... Well, uh, you know, like nobody, nobody does lumberjack matches anymore, and I feel like a lumberjack match hasn't even really meant anything since like the mid to late '80s. Even like it's kind of no. an old fashioned match. It's a very old fashioned kick match, and like I said, like it's kind of like people, like people, and then if you don't work it correctly off the bat, people are it's just a lot of confusion. Like guys are falling out, and you're supposed to throw the guy back in, right? Like and usually the story it's the same story you see in every lumberjack match. The heel goes out to the ba- to the baby face side. The baby faces, of course, just pick them up, throw them back in because they're baby face. Not going to take two shots. But when the heel throws the baby face out to the heels, they take the two shots. Eventually, it all breaks down. They're in the confusion. Some shenanigans happen, and then the referee's back turned because it's chaos. And the heels easy to go over at that point, and that scenario would have worked perfectly for what was. <laughs> book but it just didn't just didn't just didn't happen but you know um oh well uh the young scanic improvements this is independent wrestling and so it's all about so one one of your learning one of your uh main projects is luke perry's son aka uh jungle boy jake perry and he's been getting a lot more attention in apw uh, I would say within the last six months, probably maybe maybe even since the the the, the second Cow Palace show. Uh, how do you think he's advanced? And and you know, has, have you seen improvements? And and uh, I, I know originally when I first saw him, I was like, oh, he can do all these great moves, but just that sort of presence in the ring and 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 the facials and all that stuff, you could tell like he was really new at 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 figuring those things out. But how has he progressed? I think he's progressed really. Really good. He's he's getting a little he's getting a lot more confident out there. I mean, I first saw him, I could tell like right when he got to the curtain, he was kind of thinking about the match. You know, what do you want to do? What certain spots are going on? Like he just really in his head. And like I think giving him that confidence, putting him over, putting getting behind him, it's kind of opened him up a little bit. And um, I, I really like Jungle Boy a lot. And one of my favorite like projects, and it was fun to book him last year. Cause and get him over, you know, and get him to a point where people were just like getting behind him, and it, it was a lot of fun. And I continue, there's still more to do. There's still a lot to do to get him to that point. He's getting a lot of reactions. People are chanting for him, but like we still got to keep building up. I really want to see him have some really stellar matches to kind of build that reputation, um, not just being like this really cool personality and, and like people want to get by. That's just they want to root, be, you know, they want to. I'm sorry, I'm root for the guy, but I want to like have those great matches with it, and 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 that'd be 
something to see coming up in here and in 2018 and in 2019 with Jungle Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's uh, let's let's move on to some other stuff. So there was a pretty big match that happened in in New Japan over the weekend. It was uh, Tanahashi and Okada, uh, their third matchup of just this year, and the stakes were that. Tanahashi did not want to uh, be able to cash in his his briefcase at the Tokyo Dome unless he could actually beat Okada. Okada won earlier in the year, I think it was in May, and then they did a draw in the G1, which allowed Tanahashi to get to the G1 final, which he won. And and so this was their third matchup, and you know, lo and behold, they had an, another great match. Uh, this match was a little bit different in 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 the way that they that they told the story. Tanahashi is doing a ton of selling uh, his knee, uh, which which was basically the entire story of the match. Um, what were your thoughts, and how would you compare it to the previous two matches this year? Um, it was uh, another classic, another great match. Those guys just you know in their sleep do a really, really good match. Um, I did like the story. I like the selling, you know. You know, Tosh is the best. The best out there today uh, when it comes to selling, drama. Um, yeah, I, I kind of I have it just below the May title match and probably even or a little maybe a little higher than the than the 30-minute uh, match. But I don't know. I, I'm kind of going back and forth where I put that. I mean, 30-minute match was really, really damn good too. So, But this one uh, was, uh, like I said, another, another classic tune too and and it's been a lot of fun. I can always watch these guys wrestle. Um, I think now that they wrestle three times this year, they'll probably keep them away from each other for a while, you know, again, which is good. And I really like the, there's a spot in there where they're on the top rope. And this is something I always thought about. And I just thought it was like a kind of crazy bump. No one would do it. And little bit of these nuts do it. It's like Tanahashi comes off with the high fly floor where, well, well, Okada is standing on the second turnbuckle mm-hmm. and basically catches him. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was so cool. I, I, I just like, wow. I mean, we've kind of like seen everything, I feel like, in wrestling. Like, there's nothing really too shocking. You know, move kind of goes, oh, my gosh, unless it's like super hard hitting or some kind of high angle, scary bump. But but, but that one really, really got my, got my attention. That was, that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, I would say that you know today's wrestling um while there is selling there obviously is a lot of selling uh because they also need to do really creative and and high flying moves sometimes you have to sort of suspend disbelief a little bit and go okay i know his leg hurts but he's still got to throw that you know he's still got to hit the ropes and and hit his flying whatever and then he can sell his knee after like i get that that's really a part of wrestling today but I think the thing that fascinated me the most is, I mean, there may have been one moment in the whole match where I was like, okay, Tanahashi wasn't really selling his knee there, but it was like a really small moment and everything else, like him, you know, getting thrown into the ropes and he just buckles the knee buckles and he goes down. Um, you know, he doesn't have the strength to to pop Okada and Okada's like yelling at him to, to hit me and, and, and Tanahashi can't really hit him hard enough because he doesn't have that, you know, he doesn't have that strength for the base uh, to throw those punches. And a, a lot of that stuff is really like, it almost seemed new to me 
because we see a lot of these other matches where they don't do that. So it's like almost like old is new again. And I watch it going like, wow, like now I just want to see, you know, more matches in, you know, in WWE or whatever, where they really just sell the body part. And, but then, then I think I go, well, they're not as good as Tanahashi, so it probably won't be as good. But I, I, I really hope that, you know, may, maybe a lot of people were watching this match and go, oh, this is something new I can incorporate, even though it's sort of like the oldest school thing to do in the book, right? Yeah, like, well, Tanahashi, like you said, like, he was selling me the whole time. And so when he did get on the offense, it wasn't like he sprung up and hit a move. Like, you know, like when he went for the high five floor at one point in time, like he always does the traditional little, you know, pull vault over the top rope. Right. But like he does it and lands and has to take like a beat or two because mm-hmm. his knees not, mm-hmm. not strong, you know, and he had that little burst of energy, but then he realized, Oh, you know, then he would come back to reality. It's just, this is a little attention to details really brings you into the match. Yeah. Brings you into the store. There's talent. And I, like, I, like, I, like, you know, everyone always says like, well, Will Ospreay is just great, you know, great selling. And, and, but then like, I get kind of like, you know, he's amazing when it comes to his flying, but like, sometimes I get knocked out of the special disbelief when I'm watching it. Cause he's selling something so good, but then he's bouncing around the ring again, you know? And mm-hmm. it's just, it's like a, it's like we talked about that a couple of nights ago. Um, we talked about, you know, not, not on, on the podcast, but we talked about when we were hanging out, like it's just stuff we get tired of seeing. Like, I mean, how you always see guys, like you said, chopping, throwing a chop and hitting the ring, the, the guy <laughs> you missed and they hit the, hit the ring post and they just sell their hand. And all of a sudden, like they're throwing punches again. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, stuff like that just drives me nuts. Uh, I was telling you, like, or that's how it kind of started because I was talking about the ring post. Like, I kept seeing, like, matches recently where guys would get thrown into the ring post and there's, like, no consequences of it. It's just, like, it's just about the same as running a guy into the turnbuckle. And yeah. It's just, like, I just wish things would go back to, like, a little more tested details. And not to say every old wrestling match in the, back in the day was perfect and tested detail and they perfect psychology because, sure enough, you know, there's a lot of crap out there, too, yeah. back in the day. But, you know, like, guys guys that really cared about their craft, about the art of pro wrestling, like, and all the whole selling and registering and all that, that, that was a big part of it. I think the athletics, athleticism has taken over from the fine art of wrestling today. And, that, and, that, and that's what frustrates me when I watch a lot of matches. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you have not watched that match and you are a fan of Japanese wrestling or just a fan of really smart storytelling where stipulations matter. I mean, I, I was telling Big Dave on uh, on the Wrestling Observer Radio that I did with him uh, last weekend. I said, you know, this is like the most important match for the rest of the year. And he was like, well, why? And I was like, just look at what's, what's at stake. Like there's actually something at stake in this match. And we'll have, you know, Survivor Series where it's like, oh, Raw versus SmackDown. And then, like, the winner doesn't, who cares? <laughs> like, there's no stips. There's no, there's there, there's nothing that fans can actually chew on that'll make, that makes it important. Um, but, but for the rest of the year, like, there's not a match that's going to have stakes like this. And so that's why I thought it was, like, important. And, and it felt like a big, big deal, which is awesome. Because when you watch this stuff... 
you want it to mean something and you want it to feel important or else you're just like, gosh, I just wasted, you know, three hours of my life watching Raw and nothing happened. Yeah, and plus there's that, you know, Gato is really good at booking and he's really good at that, that these stories where you kind of like think like, you know, if you're a smarter fan, you're like, well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Oh, he's definitely going over because he's defending the title. He's going for the title of the dome. But then there's that little thing in the back of your mind that Gato has set up from the long history of what he, of the storytelling between these guys. Like, like you said, like Tanahashi hasn't beaten Okada, right? And he has to, and he feels like in himself as a warrior, I need to get past Okada to truly earn my Tokyo Dome spot. Yeah. And, but there's also that redemption story of Okada who's been just losing titles, been on kind of like a lose, losing some big matches. So, and of course, there's that history between Okada and Omega. So, could he this be just a twist and turn where Okada beats Tanahashi, gets the briefcase, and now we got another potential classic between Omega and Okada? Like, that's just good stuff there, you know, and that's, that's what keeps people interested and that's why Ninja Japan product is so popular with a lot of people right now because the storylines are are not that hard to follow they're very easy and they're logical and and uh, that's why you know they're getting a lot of high praise right now yeah yeah totally so uh the only other thing just to just to quickly end the new japan stuff uh they do have a show which we already mentioned the long beach show this is the first long beach show that I will have missed. Uh, the previous two, I was there live. Uh, this one, I, I feel like there was a little bit of a lack of promotion, and a lot of that has to do with because they didn't even really have a card. Um, but they also went right back to California after doing the uh, the Cow Palace uh, in the summer, and it just felt like it was a little too soon. Plus, there's the Bellator stuff that I will be attending uh, this weekend, so it didn't really make sense to then try to head out to L.A. It's kind of weird, like, also going to L.A. on a Sunday and having to come back before the Monday for work. <laughs> so uh, lots of, you know, sort of lots of reasons to not go. And when the card actually came out, my first thought was, oh, wow, I- I'm very much looking forward to seeing uh, the Golden Lovers versus Okada and Ishii. That's going to be a great match. But I actually am fine watching it on TV. Like, there wasn't that marquee match where I was like, you know what? I need to see that in person. And and look, some of that might be simply because I've seen three New Japan shows in the U.S. And so, you know, oh, I haven't seen uh, Okada before live. Well, now I've seen him live. I haven't seen Tanahashi before live. Well, now I've seen him live. And so th- there's a little bit of that where I'm like, okay, like I- I- I've-, I've been there. Plus, I'm going to the uh, to the uh, the one at the Madison Square Garden. So, you know, missing this one's not a huge deal. But, you know, I, I just sort of felt like this is going to be a really fun show on TV, and I did not have to be there. Yeah, the you know the bloom on the roses wore off a little bit when it comes to like New Japan, United States, especially in California, right? And the car looks good. Oh, I, I really like that main event. I think it's going to be really good. Um, uh, you know, Scroll and Osprey should be good, there's, and and uh, Young Bucks and the uh, Tongans should be entertaining and really good. So there's a lot of good matches, but yeah, like you said, like when I saw the card, I actually liked it. I mean, but I, I'm okay watching on New Japan World and on Access, whatever you know. Whatever I'm gonna do, we'll probably watch it on New Japan World on on Sunday, and yeah, it. I mean, like now, now they got they got they have to go to do different places. Like yeah, New York, of course, Man Square is a big deal, but they have to go like Chicago or or you know Florida or something. You know, 
something like that to keep it. And they're also going to have to start booking bigger matches. Like they're going to have to start giving uh, the U.S. fans an IWGP championship match. Yeah. You know, and I think with with a guy like a Tanahashi, you know, Omega and, and, and Okada, like in that big feature role, like a big authentic Japanese match, uh, like fans of some that fans want to see an Okada versus Omega, an Okada versus Tanahashi, like the, that. If those matches happen on U.S. soil, then that will be a big deal, and people will travel to see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, we'll have a we'll have a short review of that show on uh, on next week's show if we can do next week's show. Uh, uh, we may have uh, uh, we may miss a week, but uh, if we if we don't, we will review it. And if we do, then you know maybe we'll review it the following week. Uh, so the you know I teased this early because I knew we both really wanted to talk about this, but I wanted to get some of the stuff out of the way so that we could spend uh, a good 10 minutes talking about this. But the, like the trending on Twitter for the last three days has been this issue with uh, Brie Bella kicking Liv Morgan in the head and knocking her out and then kicking her again and the match not stopping you know, the doctor not coming in. This is the fact that, you know, Brie kicked her in the head when she was trying to do the yes kicks. And I wanted to get your take on it because, um, you know, you, you I think you have a, a pretty smart take on, on the whole thing. But also, you know, like you said, you know, you one of your best friends is, is a referee. And I wanted to get that side of it, too. Like, what should the referee have done here? Because we all saw that Liv was knocked loopy and knocked out. And... In that scenario, it seemed like the right thing to do would have been immediately to get her attention. Um, and how do you do that? I don't know. Do you stop the match, or you don't really want to roll her? Because what if it was like a neck injury, and then you know Bree, I think, grabbed her kind of by the shoulders and dragged her a little bit. Uh, but like that whole scenario, like break it down. Like what were you thinking when you first saw the kick and how she got knocked out, and then sort of the aftermath, and then how all everybody you know everybody acted in there because the internet wanted to burn like brie for doing this and you know she was at fault for sure but this wasn't like it wasn't purposefully done it you know it was a little it was a little sloppy you know i don't know if i'd consider it reckless but you know i'm not i've never been in the ring so i i can't say that for sure uh but you're a little bit closer to this so give me your play-by-play of 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 everything well i didn't watch raw live um, I remember like the next day on Twitter, I seen all this talk about Brie and Liv Morgan. I'm like, what the hell happened? It was almost like Akira Maeda kicking Ricky Choshu in the eye and breaking his eye socket. Like, what the hell? Did she pull one of those? What's going right, on here? right. And then like, I, I, I you know, dug deep into it. It was like a wrestler got knocked out of the match and, and it like something that happens a lot and it's going to continue to happen a lot because even though it's quote unquote fake or a performance, it's a physical performance, the physical drama, fists and feet are still flying around and someone's going to get caught for, you know, looking at the footage of what happened. Now just take the kicks and live Morgan. What happened was Bree was not at fault at all. Bree is fine. The kicks were on the same spot each and every time she was throwing them. Um, she wasn't rushing him. It wasn't like she was, she was being reckless with them. Liv 
was not selling up more. She should have sold up more, give her more of a target. She kept like when she got kicked, she registered a kick and she go forward and she could really, she didn't go forward, like sell forward, like move her head forward and eventually and eventually one got caught, boom. And then Bree, you know, still you know, she's still keeping target. She throws another one, she's in a, you know, in throws another one. And at the time, unfortunately, you know, Liv is now going straight down and she got caught again. And then, you know, of course, Brie covers one, two, uh, Liv kicks out. She's talking to her. And, of course, wrestlers are usually going to say, they're, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. Now, here's what I issue with this. Here's the issue that I have that I put the blame personally on. This is where I see it, is with the referee. Mm-hmm. He should have seen right away. He's right there in the corner. He should have seen right away that, you know, Brie's communicating with Liv. Liv's loopy. He should have dived in, talked to Liv, make sure she's okay, See if she can roll to the side, maybe close enough to where she can make a tag and then can just kind of like, you know, help her out. But like, I didn't see none of that. Yeah. And I know Bree, people are getting, have an issue with Bree because she like picked her up and then she got loopy and fell. But Bree's just trying to contain the match. And, you know, she, Bree also does not have experience in working in that kind of situation, really. You know, like, I mean, they don't, I don't think so. I don't think she's had a lot of moments like that in her matches. So I think she just was trying to get her to the corner and make a tag. Was it ill-advised? Yes. Should the referee stop, jumped in and so that didn't happen? 100%. And I don't know what the producers are saying in the back. I don't know if they were yelling at the referee. It didn't seem like, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. But um, I, I kind of put it all on that referee. I think he should have took, took more control of that situation. I mean, you could just tell she was knocked out. You could yeah. tell she was knocked out. And it was, and it was just a funky, weird thing and um, hard for the girls. I know in the Riot Squad, um, Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot, I mean, they did really well in that situation. Sarah Logan is definitely keeping an eye on Liv and make sure she's okay. There was a weird moment where Michael Cole said, Liv is getting help in the back, but then she's at ringside, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah, that was really weird. I don't know why they did that. I don't know if there's like someone said in his ear to make sure they don't really worry about like concentrate more on the match to what's going on to the off screen. I don't know. It was, that was kind of a bizarre little moment, but I just think it's like three nothing. She did nothing wrong. Lived made a mistake when she was selling, you know, she's smaller. She's petite. She did give her a little more of a target. I thought. And then, Selling forward, like I watched this a couple of times. She kept like registering and selling forward, and just and just unfortunately, the time, his bad timing. She got caught right in the chin and got knocked loopy. Yeah, yeah. But the people, but these people on the internet calling for Bree's head, and because they think Liv Morgan's gonna think they're their, they're her here. Yes, they're the they're, they're, they're her savior. Her <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Like, <laughs> come on, people, just relax. Just, it's just, it's just, it's just, stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. It's happened before in wrestling many times. People being knocked out. I remember one one incident in APW. There was a match where uh, uh, this guy. Um, David Flex, or I forget the name. His name's Bate Daybuyer. It's a good guy. Jacked up, uh, you know, five foot five, jacked up kid from Southern California, wrestling Matt Carlos. And 
Matt Carlson did one of those uh, off the second rope, twisting, jumping into a DT. You know, the guy catches and takes DT. But he uh, he's out of position. Uh, uh, David was out of position, so he tried to like overcompensate and rush in, and then he just got spiked right on his head, knocked out, boom, right. And I'm at the ringside table, and I see what happened right now, and I'm just like, and like, I'm like, I just jump up. He's knocked out. He's knocked out. Cover him. Cover him. Yeah. And so he covered on the match end. It was like a kind of a, it was kind of, you know, unfortunately confusing. Everyone's like, you know, but like, I'd rather just stop the match now and then get the guy, guy helped and try to like do spots after. And he was completely out. It was a scary, 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 scary situation. But luckily he was okay. But um, it happens. It, it, it happens, people. It's professional wrestling. It's, it's going to happen again. And I, <sighs> You know, this is not the first time anyone has has made this point. But you know, again, a shout out to our, our friend Dave Dutcher who pointed this out in in a, in a Twitter a DM that we sort of use as a group conversation about this stuff. He said, you know, if you think about it, when you're doing that kick to women, uh, it's it's a it's a little harder because you have to be way more accurate with your kicks. Um, you know, there, there's a there's less of a room for error because you don't want to kick the breasts, and uh, and and the other thing is is I I had mentioned is like yeah you know but and between the breasts and the face is like a collarbone like I could see someone getting their collarbone mm-hmm. kicked there too, but but you know maybe maybe that's something that um, you know you would do maybe to someone who's a little bit bigger than 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 Liv Morgan she doesn't have a, a whole lot of upper torso there because uh, she's a smaller woman. Uh, but yeah, I you know the, I think there was just like a cocktail of things that went wrong, uh, yeah. and accidentally, obviously, uh, and 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 uh, you know I thought the 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 most interesting thing is exactly what you described is the way the the referee uh, acted there, and you know I, I I would imagine that that's something that they train is you know okay someone really gets hurt like how did what do you do like yeah. it's the first thing and. You know, we used to see the X all the time, right? Like that was, and then they started using it as like a fake, fake fans to fake out fans. Yeah. But yeah, so you know, I, I I think hopefully this dies pretty quickly. But the folks who have just been on Brie, and look, I, I get it because like my first reaction, I was trying to find fault with Brie, right? When you're watching something like that, I was like. Okay, what did Brie do wrong? Why did she kick this girl in the face? Why is she looking at the corner? She's not looking at at Liv enough. Like she's taking her eye off of Liv. But then when you really watch what happened, you're like, hmm, it's just an accident. Like literally was just an accident. Yeah. And and you know, I didn't even think about the thing that you were talking about selling up. That's you know, that that's a little bit more uh inside, you know, wrestling than than I know. Uh so that that's an interesting point too. But uh but yeah, hopefully this this stuff dies down and, and poor, you know, poor Brie, poor, poor Liv, uh, you know, both of them are, are sort of the victims in this, in this thing. So. Yeah. I mean, referees, it's the referee's job to make sure these guys are, and gals are safe, right? There has to be constant communication in there. There's constant dialogue between the wrestler and the referee. Like a lot of people don't see it because these referees are really good. And, and like every time something happens, they check, are you good? You know, or they check on them. And uh, you see, you, I mean, I've seen guys, if you really look closely, you see referees fly out of the ring to get just a quick talk. Hey, you okay? Boom. You know, and then jump back in, make it go for the count, for the count on or something like that. It's very, very, very important. I was shocked to see him not really concerned. It was, it was, I, felt, I felt it was strange. It was just strange to me. Usually, 
referees would just dive in there and and, and just kind of like check on check on the, the wrestler who's hurt. It's just just it was really really bizarre to me. And you know, you know, like I said, I you know, knowing a lot about refereeing just from you know my friend Tom Caster, who's an NXT referee. I mean, I, I to me he's the best referee I've ever seen, and he's just dedicated to his craft. And so I've learned so much about refereeing just from him. And and when I would just be out there managing, like, and he's refereeing the matches that my guys were wrestling in, like he was always constantly checking on us, checking on everyone, checking on the wrestlers because that's that's his job. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's, I mean, they're they're the closest to the wrestler if something happens, right? So they have to be on point. They have to look for everything, and they have to keep. Look at the wrestlers and make sure they they have the wrestlers are just this wrestler mentality is keep it going. Yeah, you know, be the tough guy or be the tough the tough the tough lady and like keep it going. Must finish the match, you know, and there you have to protect them from themselves. And yeah, it's sometimes unpopular, like like, but you rather have you rather have this person injured or. Or heat with them, you know what I mean? Like, in mean, the end, the end, after the adrenaline's down, the wrestler's always going to be appreciated for referee for protecting them, always. Mm-hmm. And and you know that's that's part of being a referee, and that's why I get pissed off with a lot of referees I see because they don't take care of the wrestlers. They just go out there and hug the rope in the corner. They try to fucking be a character. They're not a fucking character. You're a referee. You're supposed to do the job. It's count three. And it's just like, it's so frustrating. Like, I just remember this match with the, uh, sorry to keep going on this, but like, um, and he evolved with Timmy Thatcher and, uh, I believe it was Drew Gulak. And it was like this crazy submission stipulation match where like, I mean, it was a big grudge and like the, 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 um, the ring, a ring is getting torn up. There's the boards are being, being exposed. They're doing Germans on it. It was very ill-advised scary and to me Thatcher really got his bell rung he took a German and hit a board like really bad and rolls out to the floor I'm like immediately you know like he's 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 something's up right and then the referee's just like in the ring <laughs> not once jumps down and checks on him just just looks down like just looks down on him like okay this was part of what we're planning to do or this is what we talked about or we know gonna happen. and that's that's horrible and you know I know Tim really well, and I was just made a little more personal to me when I saw that. But like, still, like any wrestler, you should check on him. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, so now let's uh, talk about the May Young Classic, as we have been talking about um, all, all 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 the last three weeks. Uh, we'll continue talking about it until this tournament is over. Uh, and you know, last week we talked about how. The uh, the show just started to pick up a little bit more. Like maybe the first week, eh, not that great. Second week, eh, getting a little better. But the third week really was, you know, it, it was actually a pretty good show. Um, I thought the f- this week uh, a little bit harder to rate because there was only really one competitive match, uh, and and uh, it was pretty good with with Rachel Evers and um, and uh, Ma- uh, Matsumoto. Uh, you know, two two sort of power, more, more power type wrestlers. Uh, Ra- Rachel Evers did a lot of you know things that you would see uh, in New Japan. Um, but 
there was a theme and and I thought it was a pretty interesting theme in that in three in the other three matches it was like veteran you know veteran well actually not veteran because to ta- ta- Tanera Conti is not a veteran but two two of those matches with Conti winning and with Nicole Matthews winning were heels like they they they, they were strong heels and then in in the in the last match it was uh, you know sort of the biggest baby face of the tournament really with Io Shirai uh, but but you know they were clearly like they were very all, all three matches were were pretty predictable you sort of knew okay I I know exactly what they're doing here they're this is the woman who's going to win um, and and so I, I would I would say you know kind of like glorified squash matches in in a sense but still like really good job at getting over the people that they wanted to get over uh i felt like Shirai came off like a superstar um uh matthews was a was a really good heel now as far as conti is concerned i think i thought she did a pretty good job during the match of like being like really mean and she was doing the finger thing and then she finally wins and she starts crying and I was like, ah, oh, you just ruined it. Like I was really into you being like the mean girl against the, against the, like the goofy, the goofy cute girl. Right. Like that was sort of the, 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 um, yeah. the story was that her against goofy cute. So overall kind of up and down, but I still appreciated them creating the women who are going to go on to the next round and, and, and selling their characters and saying, this is why they're important. Now we'll go, we'll go match by match by match, but you know, out of the four shows, uh, how did the, how did, how did this fit in with, with the other, with the thoughts of the other three weeks? Um, I thought it was the same. Um, I, like you said, it felt like it, it, as these first round matches are, they're all just features for just basically getting people familiar with these women. They don't know for the most part. And get their moves over, and, and you know, and all that stuff, and it builds into like the bigger matches in the following rounds. That that was good. I I, I enjoyed uh, Matsumoto and uh, Rachel Ellering or Rachel Evers. But that was really good. Um, seemed like there's some hard edits in that match, so there must have been some moments that didn't pan out. But I mean, I can only grade on what I see, and I thought that was pretty good. I really I really like Rachel Evers. And I don't think she's signed. I don't. I, don't, I wish they would because she has some kind of like. There's a really good quality about her where you just kind of want to root for her. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the, maybe the maybe the kind of like the every every girl look or something like it's kind of like feel like she's like a friend of yours, you know, and you just want to see her succeed. And I just and I like her fire, I like her passion, like just like I remember her her certain entrance. She comes out and she got to the, the steps. She screams like yelp is like yo like, and I kind of felt like oh man, she's pumped for this. She's pumped to perform and she pumped the wrestle and I, I, I don't know uh, I, I really like her and Matsumoto I, I've seen in Japan uh, a few times already and she's 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 really good I like I like her personality she has a fun personality with the I will destroy you like, I just like I just like dug it and uh, yeah I, 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 the opener I thought was was pretty good we, we are as wrestling fans uh, very critical right like like we're like looking yeah. for for things that are you know, possibly not that good or, or really good. And so when you watch matches like that, sometimes you kind of spoil it for yourself in a sense, because you're, you're, you're not willing to let up on some of the mistakes. But I, the reason why I like this match is because I found myself going like, I kind of hope Rachel wins. Like, and Mm -hmm. you know, like 
often when I watch wrestling, I don't really I don't really care who wins or, or loses. I more so care about the story that's being told. But in this match, I was really like, wow, I wish Rachel would win this match. When 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 uh, Matsumoto wins and you see who she's facing in the next round, it makes sense why she won because she's going to face mm-hmm. Tony Storm, and that's a you know babyface you know Tony Storm against this Lady Godzilla. Like that's a good that's a good matchup for for the story that they're going to try to tell. Uh, but yeah, like I I, I exact I agree about Rachel. She was she was very likable. You know they showed uh, you know they showed Chris Hero in the crowd. He was rooting her on. Um, I thought. You know, I, I didn't really notice the edits as much as you did, uh, but I, I just feel like, gosh, from from year to year, her match this year was so much better than her match from last year. Yeah, yeah, oh, she's definitely improved. She's, I mean, she's, I think she's got done with stardom now. It's for fans, so I mean, she's she's making those improvements, and she's just gonna keep getting better. She had really good training with Landstorm, and I just I just hope they. I just think she should be fine and I think she should be on the roster and I don't know I, I, that's like I said I'm a, I'm a fan of hers and, and, I'm, and I'm hoping it all works out and she gets uh, the contract and she cause I think she deserves it so the second match was uh, Tynera Conti versus Jesse and mm-hmm. Jesse was a very interesting character because it was like a mix of um it was a mix of like Bailey and uh I'm forgetting the I'm forgetting her name uh when she the girl who would come out with the bubbles. Oh, uh, uh Dashwood what's her name? Tenille Dashwood. Yeah, yeah, uh, what was her character's yeah. name in WWE? Whatever whatever her character's name. I I, for, I don't know why I forgot, but brain fart here. But it was sort of like yeah. a mix of those two characters and she I think I think this now this is what I think. I've never seen her before. But I think the gimmick was like she doesn't really know how to wrestle. And so she just kind of like throws her body around and 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 whatever and like there were a couple things where I think she purposely did things wrong because mm-hmm. that's her character. And Michael Cole and Renee Young, it kind of went over their heads because there there was a, a I think she did a, um, gosh, what what move did she do? I think she did like the, uh, it was, it, I don't remember exactly the move, but Michael Cole goes, oh, wow, that was really athletic. And I was like, I don't think that's what she was trying to get across. <laughs> I think she was trying to get across that she's kind of klutzy and thus can't perform these moves like perfectly and then there was another one where uh no actually it was renee who called her athletic and michael cole called her flashy i was like she's kind of the opposite of flashy but uh so i don't i don't know if it was over their head or maybe it was over my head but i I just saw her like i I thought the gimmick was like i'm gonna make sure to to do things like not exactly slick because i'm kind of like this klutzy girl who's not a good wrestler and who can get away with it because i have charisma and i smile and so that's what i thought the character was but the reason why I think it kind of worked is because the flip side was who she was facing, you know, jujitsu and very serious and very mean. Um, and the dynamic worked, even though the match, the match was whatever, right? It wasn't, it wasn't super fantastic or anything, but the dynamic, I like the dynamic of, of the two contrasting, uh, two contrasting women, uh, until 
like I said at the end when the the, the really mean girl uh, started crying after she won. Yeah, yeah, the uh, that 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 did throw me off too because she comes out with this attitude, and at the end of it, she's just like an overwhelmed emotion for winning. And I guess that can you know make sense in some ways when it comes to like this is an important tournament and you know win like this is so you know big, but. But yeah, I kind of like to see her keep it up. But, it, it also made me think she's losing in the next round for whatever reason. <laughs> I mean, it's good that she made it the second round. For last year, she was, I mean, she just barely had, a, I don't think she even had a match. It might have been her first match was actually in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think it was actually her first match was last year in the tournament. So, I mean, she's really improved big time. Her character, uh, they had this cool music for her, like this perfect, she comes out and it's I just, I really like her. I like her a lot. And it's like exciting because she's so young and, and just so much room to grow, grow. Like it's, it's going to be fun to watch and you don't need to rush her, right? You don't need to rush her. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to, you know, just, just let her develop and get better. And, and, uh, she's doing things right. Cause she's on TV and, um, Jesse character, you have it right. She's supposed to be like a lovable, fun loving character. Who's, not supposed to be this super wrestler, but she just gives her all. She does her best, and and uh, you know it's kind of like a, like you're saying like a Bailey character, Steve Urkel kind of. Mm-hmm. You know she's she's gorgeous. Like she's a really 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 pretty girl, and um, I thought uh, that's the first time I seen her, and I heard a lot about her. I know she has like a, a, a I think she has like a YouTube show on there where she, which features her character her goofiness, and so they're they're really high on her. And I wonder what's the length of the character, like what, how how far you can go with it. Um, I think it's a cool gimmick to where you can go for a while and turn her heel, right? Mm-hmm. And or just maybe she just grows into like a. I mean, she finds her edge. You know, you could do a kind of story like that where she's, oh, you're not tough enough to beat me, and then she goes in training and she gets better. You know, so you can do many other things with the character. So yeah, but I yeah. think after a while, though, like you could do. It's a short term. You do a lot with it for a short amount of time, I guess what I want to say. I don't see it lasting five years or anything like that, but like no gimmick is going to last five years. You really have to evolve it. So I'm curious to see what she's going to tell how she's going to evolve this gimmick. And I, I think she has a lot of potential, though. She's a really good athlete. She's a former volleyball player. And, you know, it's just, I'm, it's got to keep, keep seeing her in future matches. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Emma is the two we can't we couldn't think of her for whatever reason. That's right. Emma. Emma. Now I feel dumb. Oh, um yeah. so so Nicole Matthews against uh Isla Dawn and uh I think so Isla is on the UK brand, so she's signed and uh, yeah. and Matthews is is the vet. Uh so this match was uh a, a sort of an, a, again, you know, sort of like a glorified squash where Matthews is the heel and the veteran and the one who you know who has everything sort of figured out, and and Dawn is 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 the the younger wrestler. They they mentioned uh, that she you know she had an acting career prior, um, and uh, and you know I, I I I loved seeing the old school lion tamer for one. I thought that was really cool, but uh, but you know she 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 moves on and she's uh, she she won in a very convincing fashion. Yeah. I mean, I really didn't care for this match at all. I just, nothing really stood out for me for either girl. For either girl, 
um, just wasn't into it. Just wasn't just kind of like waiting for it to kind of end. I don't know what it was. I'll tell I'll tell you what I liked was just uh, it was it's like a, it, it reminded me of like and this is like a bad comparison, but. Uh, when Mr. Perfect would would have a, a job match, or, or I mean, when he would have a squash match, like he was just like a step ahead, like every time, and just had this like smarmy look on his face, and he was just like, "Come on, you actually think you'd be able to do something to me? Like I just threw this towel behind my back, and it landed perfectly on Bobby Heenan's shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, no way." And that's how her attitude was. So that's the part I liked. But again, you know. This was essentially a glorified squash match, so there was nothing much in the ring. Uh, but I just liked her—I just liked her attitude. She was just like, "I'm here for business. I'm not messing around. Like I'm moving on, and you're—you're you're not good enough." And that's just kind of how I saw it. So I thought it was Plus effective like, for a character. Didn't it have, didn't it kind of have like two heel characters, right? So like witchcraft, like witch, witchcraft. You'd think of a heel in a way, right? I guess, but. yeah. And then Matthews, I don't know. I know she's been around a while, and I've seen her have really good matches. For some reason, I just didn't think this one connected at all. So the final one was uh, Io Shirai against uh, Zia Bro- Zia Brookside, and uh, they kept showing Robbie ringside, her father. Did they? I, I, I was trying to figure out if I missed them calling him by name. I'm assuming they called him by name early in the match. Yeah, they they, they mentioned right away. Okay, okay, because because I'm wa- I was watching it and going like, okay, I know who that is, but I I couldn't I didn't I I must have missed when when they when they mentioned him, um, but uh, yeah, I mean this was another real I mean it was just it was just a showcase for 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 EO. Uh she's I mean she's got everything that they want right she's got everything that you would want to see in in, in a wrestler very athletic. The crowd, the crowd loves her ring presence. Like it was just like she she looks like legitimately like she should be in the top programs on either brand for the women in in uh, on Raw or SmackDown today. Yeah, she's awesome, and been a fan of her for a while. I'm excited to see in the WWE, and she's the complete package. I mean, she's she can wrestle, she can do it all, she can work very different styles. She's gorgeous. Um, someone you could definitely market, and this was definitely a glory. This definitely was a showcase for her. But in the end, though, like I really got behind Zia Brookside. I really like like she's a future. She's a future Bailey character in my, in my opinion. Like where fans are getting behind and 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 you know, the underdog. She's a perfect like underdog, right? And I, I, I that's what I kind of took away at the end. Like I you know I. Eo's getting over, no problem, no problem. But Zaya really, I thought, really made her increase her stock in this match too. And it was a good match, you know, exactly how it should be laid out. The veterans in control. Zaya gets some moments, some offense, but eventually she gets cut off, and then Eo destroys her with that result. <laughs> Damn, that was uh, that was a rough. Well, at least a rough at, one for Lu- at least from the camera angle, it looked like. Rough, but I couldn't tell if it was just the cam, the way they shot it, or if it was like legitimately uh, a little hard, for, a little harsh for uh, for Zaya. It might have been a little, it might have been a little hard, but you know Zaya's tough. So, but yeah, I mean, Io, what a signing for them. And I mean, I was just thinking about the after that. that one thing I did take from the show when it was over is like, 
man, when it comes to the women's division, WBA's roster is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got just the women's tournament that they can always pluck and use. There's, um, you know, you got Rhea Ripley who's coming to her own. Bianca Blair is going to be a star. Yeah, now you got Io, Kyrie, Shayna, and then you got Charlotte, Sasha. Like, you have all, you know, et cetera. You have all these, all these really good talents in the women's division. You can really have a, that's a hell of a, I just wish they would have one women's title where it really means something. It just kind of sucks that it's, I mean, it's the nature of the beast what wrestling is today, but like for WWE, where it's like all, all these championships, but God, imagine they had like one champion. It just would mean so much more. And, and you could do so much more with all these women, you know, but uh, yeah, totally. it is. I don't know if a, I don't know if a, a whole show, I think following they have, I think, I think a tag team title could work, honestly. I really do. Um, I wouldn't want to see two of them, but... Or three, uh, if you have NXT. True, true. I think if I was them, and God, it's only an hour show, let's say increase it to like a two-hour show, but maybe like you introduce a women's tag title, because they can probably do some cool stuff, some really cool stuff, and keep... A lot of lot more women in focus that maybe not for a singles title, but maybe they're you know just in the tag division. Well, and we talked um, about this uh, a little bit, which is you know if they do want to put NXT on you know Fox Sports or or, or whatever, uh, and you did want something exclusively for NXT, you could do like a woman's show, right? Because they have enough women in NXT to do a, a, a women's show, uh, I think you'd have to get really creative in, in, in the angles and the storytelling. Cause you know, sh- I, I would love to see Shayna in the main event on, on every women's show, you know, having a great, having a really good match, but does the WWE audience at large want to see that? Because the one good thing about NXT is, you know, it seems like, like three shows will have three three different big matches or big angles in the main event, and when you make it only women, like you're really short, you know, making that that uh, the amount of people smaller that that you're gonna showcase. But I, I mean, I think I think they have enough women that they could do it, or even you know, even even doing a um, I, I I don't now I don't know you know when it comes to Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or Amazon or any of these any of these social medias that are in, interested in content, like you could do a women's show for those, for those brands too, sort of like what they're doing with the mixed match challenge. But uh, I, I just, I, I would hope that, you know, cause you mentioned this roster, like I want to see them all on TV and you know, we only get to really see one match a week where, where there's a woman's match on NXT. So uh, I would love to see more of them for sure. And th- and th- and this is what that's for, but this is only once a year. I like how they do these like tournaments, or so, like once a year, you know, maybe next, maybe next they do a tag team tournament, sixteen teams, the Jumping Bomb Angels Classic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, and I think these women would would deliver for sure. You know, imagine EO and Kyrie teaming up, and you know, and gosh, you know, that'd be kind of cool. They could think of like the main roster girls and to make it really special, right? Like you know, Charlotte and. Bailey or something like that, or Becky Lynch and Sasha. They could do they could do a hell of a tag team tournament, a Crockett Cup, if you will, uh, with these women. It would be pretty awesome. 
Yeah. Oh, that that would be that would be awesome because they have the Dusty Roads one for the men, and yeah. and you know the, 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 they could do it. They could do a women's one. I think it, it it would also be funny how they are putting all the teams together. <laughs> like all of a sudden, you know, it's like oh Bianca Blair and X. Like they're just friends now. Like that. That's that was always kind of funny to me when they would put those yeah. like sort of mix match teams together. Yeah, I like that too. It's always interesting to see how they're going to coexist and. Or I always like to make shift teams. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of normal, like when I never, I used to hate booking make shift teams a lot of times, but like, but I enjoy like, sometimes you get this unique, weird team and Japan was like really good with that. You had like Scott Norton and Mike Enos. <laughs> so they were great, you know? So I, The thing that I liked about it, at least psychologically is let's say you have a team that's been together forever the killer bees or whatever, right? They, they tag, they were a tag team for a long time. Like inherently as a viewer, you go, you know, they really got each other's backs. They're good. They're, you know, n- you know, they're, they're not, there's no distrust there. They're a team, but with like a makeshift team, uh, of, you know, two single stars, uh, you, you don't have that. So you go, Hmm, is he really going to sell out for his partner here because they're not a tag team usually and they don't really have a friendship? That was always like an interesting psychology for me. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, that, that's all definitely a story, especially with two like, not rivals, but like, yeah, I guess you could say rivals teaming up and you can do an angle off that. You can't do that too much, but like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely it's always. I always get with the makeshift tag teams. As long as they don't bring back the battle bowl for the women. <laughs> <laughs> battle bowl wasn't a bad idea. It just wasn't like they finally did its own pay per view, but that was ninety three, and no one watched watching wrestling at all. But like, but like it was a a cool concept. I thought it just wasn't a Starcade concept. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for Starcade. Yeah, why did they use Starcade for all these like weird things to do? The Iron Man tournament. <laughs> like I said, again, Iron Man, great concept. Not for Starcade. Battle mm-hmm. not for Starcade. And then like for some reason they in ninety two Bill Watts did the he did the Iron Man and then he did the Star he did the Battle Bowl plus a bunch <laughs> of other matches. It just seems it was just, it was crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um all right, I think I think we're we pretty much wrapped up except for our favorite segment what's john watching uh honestly this week has been a slow week <laughs> watching um wrestling at least um i did catch the latest mlw show that they posted online the weekend and it was the weakest of what i've seen uh brody king and pco pierre carlette former quebecer um who's you know, having this little renaissance of this new character, the French, the French, was it French Frankenstein? He's just kind of supposed to be kind of like inhuman, or and uh, it it was a little disappointing. There's I don't know, it just didn't really connect with me, and I was kind of shocked that it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Uh, mixed tag: Joey Ryan, Ty Valkyrie, NJF, and his partner. I forget her name. I'm sorry, but uh, it was. I kind of skipped it actually. I watched a little bit of it and I just wasn't feeling it. Even though I do like MJF, I think he's going to be a star. He's definitely perfect for the WWE. And the opener, 
was God, I don't even remember the opener now. God, sorry. My apologies. But I do like like what they do with like they did have a cool opening segment with Selena, who's like this heel manager figure and get Conan or fighting over contracts with Pentagon and Phoenix. I didn't like the reference of like she's with talking to Hunter or Car Hunter. Yeah, I yeah. Her assembly. I just thought that was kinda that was kinda cheesy. Isn't that, that isn't that isn't that a shoot though? I mean, I don't know, but like I just think uh I just think it's so stupid. I think you kinda like just you know, I know everyone knows the Ws exist, right? So it's no secret, but I just kinda I think you should just keep it in your own your own world because I think fans that come to a MLW or come to a different show, you know, they they're obviously there for something alternative, right? Yeah. So if you remind them it's just the WWE, I think it's kinda of takes them takes them out of it. The future of hope at MLW, you know. But other than that, like you know, watch New Japan show. I only watched the Okada match, Tanahashi. Oh, I also watched Kushida and Bushi, which was like the little tournament for the vacant junior title. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a good, really good match. That definitely, I was kind of hoping Bushi would win, honestly. Um, so just because I just want to see something different. Yeah, yeah. And I think I kind of like the story of like Bushi doing it for his partner, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. No, it'd be cool. I'll think about this. What if whoever wins the the junior title on October at King of Pro Wrestling Show. What if, like, before the match starts, like, they wheel out on a wheelchair, out comes Takahashi, does a fist up, people are cheering him, he's watching the match, whoever goes over, and he busts out of the, the wheelchair, just gives the guy a time bomb. <laughs> <laughs> like, would that be dope? Like, I think it'd be cool. Yeah, that's, that's, I think it'd be kind of cool, but... It'd be pretty shocking. Yeah, the hope, the hope is he's okay that that he can come back to something cool like that. But you know, it's really sucks what happened to him. But um, I don't know. I just thinking like that's why I think like if he's okay and he to wrestle, like that would be something I that would be something I would do, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think that'd be pretty awesome. But other than that, um, streamed and binge watch Atypical, great show on Netflix. Uh, if you're looking for a nice feel good shows it's a good little comedy um i just hope it gets fixed on for season three michael rapaport vehicle yeah he's the dad my favorite dad of all time (laughs) i love the gardeners man i just want to be in that family i want to go over for thanksgiving i want i just love them all you know i just i just think they're they're all great it's a really good cast of characters and I'm just I want I want more I want more I need more so I just please Netflix pick it up again because well, 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 it's like it's just nice to have a show that just feels good if you're done watching it and like it's everything everything nowadays is doom and gloom right I just feel like it's always like that and here it's like and it's a nice fun show. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. I still need to watch season two. I'm I did get to watch season one. Uh, and that was a show that I actually did watch with my kid until he got into it, and he was like, "Eh, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna stream the next five episodes without you." Um, so, so, uh, so yeah. So, uh, so what's the story? So, possibly, uh, is it next week or the week after, where where you may be sort of traveling for work, and 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 this is, it's going to be touch and go with us. Uh, probably two weeks, but 
I still think, hey, we can do it. We can do it, man. I'll be in a hotel by myself just chilling. So we definitely can get one done. I, I love this. I love uh, love hanging out with you, talking wrestling, talking talking boxing, MMA, and, and, and everything else in between. And it's just fun, man. And and, and uh, hope people enjoy it out there. And, and I'm always down to keep doing it every week. Yeah, so uh, so next week we will have the the next episode of May Young. We'll talk about the New Japan show. Uh, there is the uh, the ROH show. We'll 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 update everyone on Jeff if they didn't get to see. Uh, and there's always tons of other things that we can talk about because that um, I think that Australia show that that WWE is doing is coming up really soon. Uh, and and like then there's another New Japan show that's coming up. Um, pretty soon that doesn't have a main event yet at least i don't think uh so yeah to always tons of stuff for us to talk about so uh so we we will we will be back next week and uh hopefully many more weeks after that so for john i am double g we will see you when we see you peace out